Welcome to the Seminole Wars. In this podcast, we explore how the Seminole Wars came to be, how they were fought, and how they still resonate some two centuries later. I am your host, Patrick Swan, and our show is a production of the Seminole Wars Foundation, found online at www.seminolewars.us. We are recording today from the homestead of the Foundation in Bushnell, Florida. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome. Two researchers using 19th century survey maps and the earliest aerial photos available documented the old Fort King Road, the first road through the wilderness of Central Florida. Wilderness, that is, to Americans. In fact, Central Florida was the home of the Seminole Indians, who knew its environs quite well. They inhabited by treaty what had long been their land in reality. These researchers' book, The Fort King Road, Then and Now, has been an essential reference on the key path linking Fort Brooke in modern-day Tampa to Fort King in modern-day Ocala. It was U.S. Army Infantry Captain Francis Langhorne Dade who had a hand in building it and in commuting along its approximately 100-mile length. He did this a decade before he led his command to its doom from an ambush by Seminole Indians in late 1835 in what became known at the time as the Dade Massacre near present-day Bushnell. Called an invaluable reference for information on this long-neglected frontier highway, the Fort King Road lives on in history books and in the minds of those reading about its use in Florida's territorial years, especially during the Second Seminole War, to which it hosted the opening of active hostilities. With Jerry Morris, Jeff Hoff wrote The Fort King Road Then and Now. He joins us today to discuss its enduring significance to Florida's history. Jerry last podcasted with us about the discovery of a lost battle site near the Fort King Road. Today, he'll talk about the Fort King Road itself. Jerry Huff, welcome back to the Seminole Wars. Thank you. Good to be here. Jerry, how did you get interested in the Seminole Wars? I've always had an interest in history. It was something that I'd heard about as a kid. Started reading some articles. I was probably in, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. Just started reading a few articles and uh, realized this is right in our backyard. It really started piquing my interest a little bit. So I started doing a little more research and, and read a few books and really started to get curious as to where some of these sites were locally. When you say locally, what was local to you at the time? Pretty much anything in Central Florida. From the East Coast, I used to surf on the East Coast in in college and knew a lot of the places, knew Smyrna and and whatnot. Interesting to read about some of the things that happened over on the East Coast. Ocala, of course. Spent some time down in South Florida, Lake Okeechobee, everywhere from Thanota uh, Sassa to Fort Brooke, which was in Tampa. It, it was just all around us. That's pretty much what I meant by locally. Places that I had been to numerous times and discovered that there was a lot of history there. Besides a natural curiosity, is there something in your professional background or training that piqued your interest in the old Fort King Road? I read Frank Lommer's book, read how he had traced the old Fort King Road. I was uh, pretty fascinated by it. Realized he did that on paper maps, and I'm a geographic information systems analyst, and we work with modern mapping software, and I realized that with the modern technology, I could probably do a little bit more uh, in-depth research using the same methodology that he used way back in the 60s with paper maps. I contacted Mr. Lommer, and he told me to go for it, so... Got together with Jerry Morris, who used the same methodology that Mr. Lommer had, but from the day battlefield site 
to the Fort King site in Ocala. So he and I teamed up and traced the entire route from Tampa to Ocala. You mentioned Frank Laumer's book. For our listeners who are unaware, what was that book? Jade's Last Command was the name of the book. Mr. Laumer had actually, back in the 60s, had walked the entire, what he, he pretty much believed was the Fort King Road. He'd, uh, he, he walked that from Tampa all the way to uh, the Dave Massacre site in Sumter County. I was really interested in what he'd done and how he had done it. I've read other articles about geographic information systems, GIS analysts that, that work for uh, national parks, kind of uh, recreating battlefields such as Gettysburg. Uh, they're trying to plant trees that were in the same location as maps from the 1863 battle. That type of uh, research using the, the technology that I used it had always fascinated me. So why write a book about the Fort King Road? I always joked it's really a picture book. It has some historic research to it, but it really is more based on geography than it is. Uh, you know, most books are based, uh, they'll throw in a map amongst the text. This is pretty much, we'll throw in some text amongst the maps. Took it from the 1840s and 1850s surveys, the original surveys done in this area of Florida. We just went mile by mile, traced the Fort King Road from Tampa to Ocala or, or or Fort King in Ocala, and through all the different counties, uh, Hillsborough, Pasco, Sumter, Citrus. So we went mile by mile and traced the road. Then we used aerial photographs that were from the 1930s and 40s Department of Agriculture. Actually, these are the first aerial photographs flown of this area of Florida. We used old aerial photographs from, most were from 1938 or 1939. Did an overlay with those and also, the, the modern roads that were there back in 2010 when we wrote the book. They, they, of course, roads are changing all the time in more populated areas, so we may have to revisit this project in another 10, in another 10 years and, and do, uh, do another overlay with the roads. It's really kind of a marriage of three bits of information. Surveys from the 1840s, 1850s aerial photographs from the 1930s or early 1940s, and then a road network from modern times. It's really a picture book. It has some research and some text, and we, we mentioned things, points of interest along the way, camps and forts and battlefields and such. It's really more of a map book than it is a you know, historic research book, I guess. Who is Jerry Morris, and how did you end up combining forces? He's with the Seminole Wars Foundation. He has always had an interest in the Fort King Road. He had used the same methodology that Mr. Lawmer had back in the 60s, overlaying on paper maps the uh, historic surveys and traced the Fort King Road from the site of the Dade Battlefield to Fort King and Ocala. And it was just something that he was very interested in. And he was a personal friend of Mr. Lawmer's. He was really interested in working with me using the, the modern mapping technology to work with it. Mr. Morris has done a lot of research in the Fort King Road north of the battlefield. So he pointed out numerous things that, that I never would have known just doing my own research. You could have just done something informally, but you did something like this because you felt like the public could benefit from it. Why do you think the public benefits from seeing the full Fort King Road mapped out like this? 
so much of our history, unfortunately, in Florida is, is paved over. This state is growing so fast, and unfortunately, there are so many stories, things that happened along this road, along the Fort King Road, not only during the Second Seminole War, but years after. Things that happened along this road, they, they all have a human component to it. There were people, there were thousands of people that traveled this road, not only soldiers, but Seminoles as well. So much of our, our history in Florida is paved over. We just forget about it. In my mind, it was something I thought that the public might be able to benefit from, just if nothing else, as a remembrance, what was there at one time. Jeff, you mentioned paving over. Part of the title is Then and Now. You're somewhat discouraged with the now part, of how much of the now part of the road is now covered over. There is a very significant portion of it that is covered over. Some areas, Dade City, you know, of course, Tampa, there's hardly a trace of it left. More populated areas, it's definitely paved over, covered over. Over the years through agriculture, a lot of it had been paved over, but there are still portions here and there that whether it's a, a modern road or a path through a, a small ranch, there's a lot of it that's actually still visible today. I would say probably 80% of it at least is paved over, but uh, a lot of it is still there if you know what you're looking. Uh, there's a portion that uh, just north of the Hillsborough River in Pasco County, there's a probably about a mile stretch. There's a small ranch there. The rancher's road is actually right on where the Fort King Road was. This road has been in use most likely since the thing was built. There are other portions in Zephyr Hill, small roads that go diagonally, that they're, they're right on the path of the, the Fort King Road. Some areas like Zephyr Hills have a Fort King Road. It's fairly close to where the road was, but it may be off by a quarter of a mile or a half a mile. There are portions of it that are still visible. And then especially above north of Battlefield, a lot of 301 is pretty much right on the path of the old Fort King Road. Now, before we go further, it's important to distinguish between the Old Fort King Road and the Old Kings Road. Uh, the Old Kings Road, Northeast Florida, established a long time before the Fort King Road was. And Fort King Road was, of course, named after Fort King in Ocala. Fort King Road, when it was built in 1825 and early 1826, it was the first modern road that was built in western central Florida. It went from Tampa to Ocala, through Zephyr Hills, through Dade City, Finota Sassa, Bushnell, and, and Sumter County. This was the first modern central western Florida road that was built. Being a republic, we named it the Fort King Road, and the fort was named for a gentleman named King, not because he was a king. I believe the old King Road was named for a monarch, either of Spain or of Britain, because both of those had possession of Florida and uh, St. Augustine at one time. Named after a person named King, not, not after the King. What was this Fort King Road used for? The Indian Agency in Florida was established in Ocala. In 1825, it was determined that there needed to be a military road between Fort Brooke that had a, a, a military presence and the Indian Agency in Ocala. Once the Indian Agency was established, Fort King was built nearby, and thus the name Fort King Road. It was a military road. A lot of it was to kind of establish a presence in this area of Florida, which was very wild and untamed. It, it established the two important sites. It was uh, about 100 miles distance between the two. The Fort King Road, we call it a road, but it may have been a generous term to use. Please talk about that a bit. 
It was based on old Seminole trails, which had presumably been there probably generations before the Seminoles even arrived. In fact, a lot of what they believe is the Fort King Road was some of DeSoto's path that he took through the area of Florida. Some of the military officers that built it, it they stayed. It was based off of game trails and old Indian Road. It truly was a path initially when it was started. Former soldiers were brought in uh, 1825. They were hired along with them, Seminole guys some ox teams. It took them several months to complete. I believe they started in October of 1825, and then by January of 1826, the road was complete. But what they did was they widened the road. They felled all the trees along this path. They cut the trees as close to the ground as they possibly could. They dug holes in it so that water would catch. A lot of times in wet areas, they would do what was called the corduroy. They would, they, they would corduroy the road. They would take logs, kind of elevate the road some and then dig ditches to presumably lower the water table a little bit and then they would use that dirt and, and cover over the corduroy road, cover over the logs. Depending on where the road was, if it was on a higher area, they just felled trees and widened the road to, I, I want to say, about uh, 20 feet. It was a dirt road. It was widened, straightened. And the old Indian trails and game trails were straightened out. There were numerous river crossings. I want to say four river crossings. There were bridges built. At the time, was modern engineering feat in this area of Florida. It was quite a spectacle in 1825 or 1826. Is it fair to say maybe the most important thing about the Fort King Road is that it was one continuous path? Right. It had taken a bunch of different trails and paths and put them together into one continuous road from Tampa to Ocala. What considerations did the Army make in tracing this road through the center of Seminole Country? I have read that part of the, the reasoning behind the military road was to show a presence. They wanted the Seminoles to understand that there was a military presence in the area. Don't cause trouble because we can get troops from Tampano, Cala pretty quick and whatnot. Tenant McCall was one of the officers that was in charge of building the road. If you read some of his accounts when he built the road, there was actually a lot of cooperation between the Seminoles and the soldiers. It wasn't the trouble that there, there would be years later, 10 years later. They built the, the bridge over the Hillsborough River. One of the engineers lost his glasses in the river. Some Seminoles fished the glasses out for him, and they helped, and they were curious about the road and the bridges and whatnot. There was a lot more cooperation at that time than there would be 10 years later. It was through a big area that was considered the Seminole Territory, the Seminole Reservation, if you will. Begun as a military road, but it was also a road for transportation, and so there could be trading going on between the Seminole and military and or butlers who were taking this road to get from Fort Brooke to Fort King or back. Very true. In fact, there was a few years later after the road was built before the, the trouble started in 1835 and 1836. There had already been numerous settlers that had settled along the way. There was one in southern Zephyr Hills area. You would have crossed the Hillsborough River. There was a settler there. On one of the 1840 surveys, what is believed to have been his homestead shows up on the map. There also was a man named Saunders who owned a trading post on the Hillsborough River at the bridge that they built over the Hillsborough River. There's also believed to have been several other settlers in the area. Not many. They lived miles and miles apart at the time, but there were some settlers in the area. 
This is the heart of Seminole country, so there were Seminole towns at places near the road all along the path from Fort Brook to Fort King. Yes, there was one in the Nota Sassa that I know of. There was others that were very close to the road. There were other trails that would connect the Seminole settlements to the Fort King Road. So it was heavily traveled by soldiers, by settlers, and of course also by Seminoles. The Seminole tribe was a cattle trade. There have been accounts of the Seminoles driving cattle up and down that road and other roads later in the area. It's presumed that it was used pretty much by everybody. Is this an example of West Point engineering? Some of it certainly would have been. There was Little Withlacoochee River, one of the river crossings. It was a very low area. It was a significant approach from drier land, and the causeway had to be built just to get to a point where they could build the bridge over the Little Withlacoochee River. So certainly there had to have been some, some military uh, expertise used there. They didn't send just anybody to build the road. There had to have been some officers and and enlisted with some pretty extensive engineering knowledge. We may not know the exact part that Captain Dade played in the construction of the road, but we do know that during it and then after, he crossed that road and traveled on it many times. His last moments on earth were along that road in the infamous Dade Massacre in December of 1835. Not only was he instrumental in building it, he also perished there along that road. Later on on the Fort King Road, it was thought so dangerous that during the construction of Fort Foster, U.S. Marines were brought in to escort the convoys carrying supplies. There were numerous Seminole settlements in the area. There were uh, at least two in northeastern Hillsborough County, and there were others in Pasco. But uh, there was a significant Seminole presence after Dade's Massacre, uh, when the Second Seminole War began. There was a significant Seminole presence for probably another couple years along the Fort King Road before most of the action shifted further south, further inland, away from civilization, I guess, if you will. There was significant Seminole present in the area along the Fort King Road for some time. On the one hand, it was hard for soldiers to find the Seminole. For the Seminole, it was very easy to find the soldiers because the soldiers traveled on the main artery, which was the Fort King Road. If the Seminole were looking for soldiers, this was a good place to find them. Exactly. It's really no different than a lot of conflicts when you have an occupying force or an invading force. Unfortunately, throughout history, they've acted pretty predictably. (laughs) They they were predictable. It was very predictable that soldiers coming out of Fort Brook heading north would probably take one of two routes. If they were uh, east of Fort Brook, you instantly knew they were taking the Fort King Road. If they were west of Fort Brook, they were taking another road up to the Brooksville area. They were very predictable. The word spread fast. You've got 200 soldiers coming up this road to take a pot shot or two. And throughout history, we've kind of seen that. It was no different in the Second Seminole War. The Army, the military would take designated roads. They were very predictable. Were there no viable alternatives to traversing this road through Central Florida? On a direct route, there really was. There was a road that led out of Fort Brook that was to the east of Fort Brook. It went up through uh, Chokachati, which I believe is in Pasco County. Chokachati was a Seminole settlement. There was a road west of Fort Brook that went that way. And then there were connecting roads between the Fort King Road or connecting paths 
between the Fort King Road and the road to Chokachetti. It's called different things on different surveys. But really, there was no other viable route to head north to the Indian Agency or, or Fort King. This is why we believe we know where DeSoto traveled as well. If you go east of the crossing at the Hillsborough River, East of there is Green Swamp, and it's pretty much impassable. Back in the day, it definitely would have been impassable for DeSoto or soldiers in, in the 1820s or 30s. To the west of that crossing is another very low, swampy area. There's only about a mile stretch on the Hillsborough River. The ground is high enough that allows a river crossing, and that's why they're pretty certain that that had to have been where DeSoto crossed, and that's why the Fort King Road was built where it was. East or west of there for miles and miles and miles is low, swampy, impassable land. Without modern road building technology, it was impossible to travel. There really was no other viable option at the time other than take the Fort King Road or go 20 miles further to the west and take another road up through Pasco County, uh, Chokachati and, and whatnot. One would not wage a seven-year war simply for the benefit of getting good cartography and good roads made out of it. And yet that may be one of the few positive things that came out of the Second Seminole War. Talk a little bit about that. There were numerous roads and paths that were built. There were forts that one point or another during the, the Second Seminole War just dotted the landscape throughout Florida every 20 miles or so. This is what the military strategy was to, you find a Seminole settlement and you put a fort nearby and man it for a while and then when the action moves elsewhere you move on and build a different fort. So a lot of these forts that they established, there were roads that were built between them or major areas of settlement. New Smyrna in Tampa, there was a network of road that stretched across the state. Those roads were really started probably, again, based off uh, old Seminole paths or Indian paths and uh, game trails, but there was a road network that crossed the entire state after the Second Seminole War. So that may have been one of the only positive things to come from, at least for Florida. Now, we look at it today, and I don't know that it was so positive because we've got a road network that... Uh, <laughs> But uh, back back in the day, it, it was uh, it was quite a feat. Why was so much of Florida unknown to the army? I have to realize back in the day, our water table has lowered considerably in the state by you know some places by several feet. Part of that is the European settlement. They tried to lower the water table. They dug canals and trenches and, and, and ditches to lower the water table to have some arable land for crops and for settlement and, and for ranches and for cattle. Back in the 1820s and 30s, much of Florida was very, very swampy. In, this, in, the, in the rainy season, there were huge areas that were ankle deep with water. That's part of the, the reason. It had belonged to the Spanish until only a few years earlier when Spain sold Florida to the young United States. So there really had not been a lot of Americans that had been down in, in Florida for very long. Of course, some Spanish stayed uh, in Florida after it became a possession of the United States. Some of them knew the area pretty well, but for the most part, there had not been many Americans that had gone very far into Florida, so it was just completely unknown. It was, a, it was an overgrown wilderness. It was swampy. It was wild. It was untamed. But there weren't a lot of modern roads that went through the area. There are many reasons that Florida was so unknown, but those by far are, are probably probably the biggest reasons. So they started work on it in 1825, 
How long was the Fort King Road in operation? It really lasted militarily. It saw its heaviest use during the Second Seminole War. But civilian use, it was used long, long after that. It was used some during the Third Seminole War, probably during the Civil War, when Confederate cattlemen drove cattle to the war front or to the railhead in Georgia or wherever. But uh, militarily, that's probably all the use that it saw. It was used really into the early 1900s by civilians, however, before they created U.S. 301. U.S. Highway 301 basically takes almost the same path as the Fort King Road. It can be off by miles and miles in some places, so it really took the route and just straightened it even more so than the Fort King Road was. If I'm not mistaken, there was a drive for road funding in Florida, you know, with the invention of the automobile. I want to say it was 1911. This group of motorists left from Tampa and drove north, a lot of the way that they took was on the Fort King Road. They wanted to raise awareness about how bad the roads were for automobiles and try to get politicians to put funding into the road system. Even up until 1911, some of that road was used by civilians. How did you and Jerry Morris divide up the task of documenting the route of the Fort King Road? I took care of the mapping. Jerry did some of the research along the way. Some of the uh, historic texts that we have in there, Jerry did some of the research, and we kind of compared notes. The mapping, by far, was my baby. So, uh, Jerry worked on some of the finer details. Uh, of course, some of the, the text he, he worked with the publisher on, and he had a lot to add about Gunter's chain, which was the chain used in the old surveys in the 1840s. Each square mile in a township was measured by chain. Uh, Jerry understood that system very well and was able to add a lot into that. That's pretty much how we divided up. Jerry did a lot of the research and um, I did mostly the mapping work. Did either of you end up walking Fort King Road from Tampa to Fort King or from Fort King back to Tampa? Jerry, I believe, had done it years ago. I honestly never have. I would love to, but I have never done it. So. <laughs> Uh, one of these days, it's on my uh, on my bucket list. What portions were you able to examine during the researching of your book? Some areas up through Thanodasasa, we were able to uh, down around Temple Terrace today, the, the the Little Hillsborough River crossing up through Thanodasasa. There's still a ranch south of Fort Foster that still has a portion of the road that can be seen by a modern aerial. Uh, we weren't able to get on to some of the property. Southern Pasco as well, through a lot of Pasco County, through a lot of Sumter County, even some portions in Hernando. There's a portion in Hernando that the, the road disappears on the surveys for a few miles. We had to guesstimate a little bit about exactly where it went, so we spent considerable time in that area looking at different things. And then, of course, north of the battlefield, a lot of the path went straight along what is now US 301. We spent considerable time researching that area as well. I pick up your book and I say, all right, I have the book. I'm going to walk from Tampa to Fort King. Can one use your book and then do that? Yeah, you definitely can. The left-hand side of the book is black and white of the original 1840s surveys. On the right-hand side is the old aerial photography 
along the way, we have placed latitude and longitude points, and all this is overlaid with the modern road system. It can be done depending on the area. Uh, some areas are very developed. Some of it would be cutting through people's properties, uh, people's yards. Um, other portions are not so much. So maybe able to get permission from property owners to, to walk through their property. It definitely can be done. Mr. Lawmer did it back in the 60s, of course, before things were very developed. It definitely can be done. You may have to get permission to do so. I know some people have done it and have walked this trail in the past. Since it roughly travels along Highway 301, a lot of people have just traveled along 301 to kind of recreate the track. So it depends on how in-depth you want to go. You know, some of the larger property owners, if you want to get permissions, you can ask for permission to do so. Other parts that are more developed, you may just have to walk particular side street. You know, again, U.S. Highway 301. It really depends on how in detail you want to go. But it can be done because we do have modern latitude, you know, of course, latitude and longitude points. If, if someone's taken a GPS, they can plug those in. The modern road network overlaid on top of it as well. Jeff, what's your great takeaway about the old Fort King Road and about the Second Seminole War as it pertained to the Fort King Road? Probably my greatest takeaway is... Me working with the mapping software, I have access to modern aerial photography, but until I started researching the book, I had never realized there was old aerial photography out there from 80 years ago, 70 years ago. Looking at the old aerial photography, and this is a well over 100 years, 110 years after the road was built. But Florida was still very unsettled. Florida really didn't start getting a lot of migrants from, from up north until after World War II when, when so many guys were stationed here at different bases and really realized how wonderful the area was and how cheap the land was. And Florida really started to see a population boom after World War II. So aerial photography a few years prior to World War II and just looking at how absolutely wild this area was is, is, is amazing to me. That That is probably the biggest takeaway, looking at this old aerial photography 110 years after the road was built. And even, you know, the development that was even here in the 1930s uh, and realizing, go back 110 years earlier, there was nothing here. It was wild and untamed wilderness. To think that anyone could find anyone in such an area, that, that to me is probably the biggest takeaway, how, how wild and untamed this area was and how difficult it must have been for the Army to try to locate different settlements or different bands of Seminoles and how easy it would have been, maybe not for a large group of people, you know, with a family and whatnot, but how easy it would have been to have blended into the woods somewhere off in the middle of nowhere and been able to have hidden for weeks at a time without being detected. This area was absolutely unspoiled wilderness. There was nothing here. That's probably the biggest takeaway. Jeff Huff, thanks for joining us again for the Seminole Wars. All right, I do appreciate it. If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like us on Facebook at Seminole Wars Foundation. Leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Your reviews and comments help new listeners discover us and help us keep the show going. Visit our website at www.seminolewars.us for blogs, articles, news, books, events, membership information, 
and how to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the Seminole Wars podcast. The Seminole Wars Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to preservation, education, and publication of Seminole Wars history throughout the state of Florida. This podcast is copyrighted, the Seminole Wars Podcast 2020, all rights reserved. Front bumper music, The Devil's Garden, Roastem, provided by kind permission of Rita Youngman. Back bumper music, Second Seminole Win, by Jed Merrim and Ricky Pittman, courtesy of Ricky Pittman, all rights reserved.